Hi, it's Joel, and welcome to the Rev Thinking Podcast. Today is Wednesday, July 20th. I'm talking with Andy Baker. We are discussing CAN as well as the evolving client agency relationship. Welcome to Rev Thinking. RevThink leverages years of experience and practical wisdom to help owners of top creative studios. So you don't have to choose between following your passion and running your business. Now here's your host, Joel Pilger. Hello, Rev Thinkers. You know, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, you picked a really good day to drop in because today I'm talking to Andy Baker. Andy is the Senior Vice President and Global Creative Director at National Geographic Channel and Nat Geo Wild. And I think he even has another channel or two under his list of responsibilities. But Andy is a generous soul. He runs a blog called The Client Blog, which if you run a studio or a production company, especially in the entertainment marketing space, you have to check it out because he offers his perspective from the client side of the table. So check out theclientblog.com. A little preview of what Andy and I talk about today. Well, Andy just got back from the Cannes Lions show in France. So he and I did a nifty download of some of his thoughts and observations of the trends that he witnessed. We also started asking this question, how does having an optimistic sensibility help our ability to adapt in this kind of crazy market that we live in? And one of my favorite topics is the role of passion in getting your client on board with your ideas, as well as why do passion projects and personal work how can those be the missing ingredient in helping get your creative firm noticed by new clients? We also then touch on something that we dubbed active patience. So what is that? Well, uh, just listen in and you'll, you'll find out. Lastly, we end on a big idea, and that is how might your agency's brand be helping or hindering you getting a shot at your next project with a new client. So without further delay, here's my conversation with Andy Baker. Hi, Andy. Welcome. It's really great to talk with you today. Hey, Joel. How are you? I'm good. Uh, So I want to welcome you and let everyone know that uh, Andy and I, I guess we've known each other, gosh, probably about a dozen years and that we worked together back when I ran my own agency. But Andy, I want to give you an opportunity to um, tell people a little bit about yourself and your background. So um, give us a little glimpse of kind of where you come from and where you are now in, in the industry. Sure. Yeah. I uh, thanks for having me. I'm I'm really excited to. I I love talking about this stuff. And anyone who sort of knows me or or uh, follows the blog that I write knows that I love talking about our industry and creativity and and the process. And so I'm I'm excited and, and honored to be to be a part of this podcast. I um I started my career in the mid '90s. Uh, I started on the affiliate TV side, uh, working for NBC, ABC, and Fox. Um, mostly working in marketing and promotions, cutting promos, shooting promos, and the great thing about affiliate TV in the late '90s was that it was all it was you know it was a great opportunity for learning about a whole variety of different things. So I learned really how to write, um, how to design, how to how to shoot things, and just like the visual and sort of the early stages of the craft of storytelling. And then in the late 90s, I left Affiliate TV and started working at National Geographic around 2000. So I, I came here right before uh, the channel launched in September of 2000, and I've been at National Geographic Channel ever since. I've been 
really, really fortunate to be in, the, in a great – working for a great brand that I love to work for um, that constantly has variety just by nature of the brand, uh, but also just had great mentors and a lot of people who shared their knowledge and insight with me. And so I'm a real big believer in, 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 in kind of sharing that and, and any insight and information and you know, stuff that I've learned over the years to sharing that with others because I think it's less about uh, holding secrets and it's more about making the creativity and industry stronger by sort of sharing the things you've learned over over the years. So I've been doing it for 20-something years now, and I still love to do what I do, and I've been afforded great opportunities at, at National Geographic and sort of moved my way um, through the organization. So now I head up the creative, uh, the global creative team uh, for National Geographic Channel and Nat Geo Wild and Nat Geo Mundo as well, which is the Spanish-spoken uh, channel in the U.S. So uh, have an amazingly creative and, and talented team, and uh, we get to, to make really cool stuff every day. No, I love that. Um, and I love that about you and your story that, you know, I remember when you and I first started working together that I, I just appreciated the fact that you were not, not only a collaborator, but you were also just a generous person, you know, and I have this theory that um, generosity and success, you know, go hand in hand. So I, I appreciate your willingness to just be the guy that is always having conversations and trying to make the industry stronger and sharing your knowledge uh, with the world, both on the you know, especially on the client side, because your blog is sort of focused on, you know, it's called the client side uh, or the client blog, sorry, but it, it just helps people understand your side of the world that you live in. And you work with a lot of different amazing agencies and production companies. And I know that they appreciate getting your perspective. Yeah, and I and I start. Thank you. I, I started the blog several years ago. Uh, it is called the Client Blog, it's just clientblog.com. And um, I think I did it for a variety of reasons. One is I wanted to just, you know, I love talking about the process and how we approach projects and creativity, um, and to show a little bit of the behind the curtain of what happens on the client side. And that being said, I think one of the underlying goals that I have for the blog is to. You know, there's a lot of a lot of words associated with client, and um, I wouldn't say that creative is always the first word that comes to mind. Uh, usually, it can be pain in the ass or non-responsive or cheap or whatever. So there's a lot of negative connotations to that word. So while I know my blog is not going to necessarily change those connotations, I wanted to just have a fresh, you know, voice that sort of express like, hey, clients, a they can be creative too, and they do have. Um, they can weigh in and they know their brand better than anybody. So um, trying to kind of get people to start thinking about opening up that other side of the door and thinking of their client a little bit differently in how they approach projects. And the fact that, I mean, I have an internal creative team of you know, 15, 20 people um, across digital, doing print, TV, short form content, whatever it is, like a lot of different creative mediums. So we have an internal creative agency, as it were. So, um, so we're creative, but we're also clients because we have to hire um, um, outside production teams and agencies to help us solve creative challenges. So um, we kind of look at it from both sides, but I just really wanted that blog to to kind of address those points and, and just put a different perspective and different voice out, out there. Yeah, it's funny. I love how you're dispelling some of those, uh, you know, connotations, like you say, about the, the client side. And obviously the the agencies that work with people like you, I think it's really helpful to them when they get a glimpse inside the world that you live in and the problems that you're trying to solve because then it empowers them to say, oh, how can we help? How can we be better collaborators and better contributors to create the kind of value that you're really looking for? And, and it moves your channels forward, you know, helps uh, improve, improve your brands. Yeah, they really, I think that's the key thing is like a lot of, a lot of 
agencies might get really frustrated with their client, and and sometimes it's very warranted. Sometimes, yeah, clients don't get back soon enough, or they should, but but there's another side, and that's sort of really understanding that the client has their own set of challenges, you know, and some quick examples are, like, very often they might be juggling, you know, many, many projects at the same time that they're managing and overseeing with other agencies or with their internal team. I mean, at any one point, we're juggling 15, 20 different things that, that we're sort of overseeing, so, you know, just understanding that, you know, doesn't necessarily excuse not getting back with feedback, but it helps you sort of manage that better. And knowing that clients have clients too. I mean, I've got people that I've got to answer to that that are ultimately signing the checks that I'm helping to kind of pass on to the agencies. So, um, you know, we have to get a lot of layers of feedback internally, and that's just that's just the nature of the business. So, approaching it from that more assuming the best intentions rather than assuming that your client is an idiot is something that uh, that I'm always out to to try to help them understand and educate a little bit about. So, yeah, that's great. I um, I was really grateful for you um, coming to Catalyst, which are these you know sessions we put on at Promax BDA last month in New York to come and share a little bit of that perspective and tell some stories firsthand with a room full of you know agency owners and principals. So it was great to have you participate in that conversation. Thank you for that. Oh, definitely, and I had fun because I. Truthfully, I mean, I love talking about this stuff because before I started the blog, I didn't, it was one of those things where I didn't necessarily know that I liked to talk about it or to sort of, you know, um, discuss the, this dynamic. But as I've worked more and more on that and gotten more and more feedback and questions from people, it's just sort of sparked that, that dialogue to happen even more. So to me, I just, you know, it's, it's easy if you just ask me to show up and generally I will and would love to, I love talking about this. So thank you for having me. Yeah, it's it seems like there's um, never any shortage of topics, you know, and hot buttons and, you know, just issues that the industry is facing because it's going through so much change and upheaval. And I think, you know, to our topic today, you know, as much as you and I could sort of recap what we talked about at Catalyst, I think we're actually sort of excited to turn our sights more forward and start talking about, you know, what are some of the trends or changes or disruptions that you're seeing, right, from the client side. Um, and I, I understand that you recently went to Cannes and got sort of a glimpse of um, what you can learn at that amazing event. So I, I'd love to explore that with you. Yeah, definitely. I was um, I was really lucky. My, my boss uh, came to me and said, hey, do you want to go to to Can Lion this year, and uh, it didn't take me too long to say yes, I really do. Uh, and for Great those question. who don't know, for those who don't know what that is, um, it's basically the largest conference in the world for advertising and creative, um, you know, commercial creative folks all around the world. And what I was most struck by, and so it's and it's in Cannes, France, and same place where the where the film festival is, and where MIPCOM is held too. And um, I think there's like twelve or fifteen thousand people there, and they're all from agencies all around the world. It's truly global. And they're all showcasing their best work, and there's great speakers and, and case studies, and you know it's just really a full immersion into creativity. And it's it certainly warrants a, a deeper discussion to kind of talk about how it's influencing you know our industry. But you never you know we hear the word disruption a lot, and it's it's wild to sort of be in a place where there's all this work that's designed. For for disruption or to counteract disruption. And uh, it's really inspiring to see the work that's being done by so many incredible creative people around the world to, to, to get share a voice for the brand they're working on or to get attention, to get buzz with all those, all those cliches we're talking about, getting buzz and, you know, breaking out of the box and all this kind of stuff. It's like, this is a place for, for a full week. You just 
are, you know, you see something you're like, that's incredible. Then you turn around and then there's more and there's, there's so much of it and it sort of builds on itself. And I think uh, there are just a lot of really big, interesting themes that sort of really got me inspired and got me thinking um, about our industry and all the changes we're, we're undergoing right now. Well, I, I kind of got disrupted because you corrected me when I pronounced it con and you were like, no, it's actually can. I was there. They, I, they, they swore I have to pronounce it this way. And I they thought, told me wow. it's like can is how they say it. it's not con. It's not Wrath of Khan like Star Trek, apparently. So can is can is where it's at. But uh, yeah, it's truly inspiring. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for setting me straight, um, on, at least on that much. So, yeah, if you I guess um, there you probably have you right millions of little stories. But now that you've had time to sort of sit back and process for a couple of weeks, what were some of the macro themes or um, trends that you kind of sensed by being there at Cannes? Yeah, I think, you know, one that sort of connects to the TV industry in particular, less about necessarily commercials, like in TV, you know, we've all kind of come up with the bread and butter was always the 30 second TV promo. Right. And it's like, what's that 30 second spot to advertise a show or, you know, a series or whatever. And I'm sure everyone has heard the expression, you know, the, the death of the 30 second promo. Well, I am not a believer that the 30 second promo is dying. Uh, and I don't think it's dead or on its deathbed, at least not right, not right this minute. Um, but there's no doubt about it that we're evolving to add more things to it. You know, it's the whole multi-platform thing. One of those platforms is still TV. And one of those platform and one of those ways to execute on TV is to make TV promos, 30 second promos, et cetera. So that's not going away. And I, by the way, I saw a ton of incredible 30 second promos and 60 second promos at can and, and people will always be creating those. We'll still create them. They're still our bread and butter, especially for media buys. But what is, what's inspiring. And I think where the industry is going is moving into, into the, the real innovation. What are the, what are the products that are innovative or unique or getting good attention through either through paid media or completely unpaid that are just unconventional and, you know, bigger than the 30 second spot and in terms of coming up with just like big ideas and there's so many great examples anywhere from you know Netflix creating uh, they built this pair of socks that that people who they can wear these socks and they have a sensor in them. And so when you're binge watching, if you happen to fall asleep when you're binge watching, you know, 15 episodes of your favorite show, when your feet stop moving, the socks send a signal to the Netflix player, which pauses it. So it pauses whenever you fall asleep. So it knows, you know, to pause so you don't miss the rest of your show. And it's like, it's kind of a fun, silly little idea. And they opened it up where people could make Netflix socks themselves. And of course, it's less about whether or not they're selling these socks or whether or not people are making their, these socks. And it's more about this idea of interacting with the consumer. And it got a ton of attention and a ton of buzz, all completely free and earned. All I had to do is just like, they made one little video and put it on YouTube and opened up their CAD drawings and their sources. And then it got picked up, of course, by bloggers and tech, you know, sites and all that sort of thing. I think those sorts of ideas were things that I saw, you know, all over the place when I was there that were just a real celebration of creativity and different ways to to get to the consumer and to get attention for their brand. And so the 30 second promo, it's it's not dying. I, I really believe that. It's more of just that all these other things are evolving out of it. The same with like uh, Lockheed Martin did a something called the Mars School Bus, where all these kids thought they were going on a standard um, field trip for their school bus. They get in their school bus, everything's fine. And all of a sudden, the lights, I mean, the, the windows turn black, and it turns out they're these LED screens, and the kids can all see the landscape of Mars. So as they're driving the school bus, 
they see Mars going past them in all the windows, which are actual like, you know, LCD panels or whatever. So when the bus turns, so it does like it's turning on Mars and it goes distances. And it was just like this fully interactive group virtual reality experience, uh, sort of. And it's just sort of like, wow, it's a totally different way to express the brand, get these kids excited about science. And, um, and again, it just a really, it wasn't a Lockheed Martin commercial, but the amount of buzz that it generated and the amount of attention it got and this earned, you know, kind of free earned media, it was just, uh, it was really impressive. And I think that's the, that's the stuff that I think our industry is, is moving towards. And, and I will say that the advertising and commercial industry has already moved that direction substantially because I've seen all this great work. And I think now it's like, as we look into TV and entertainment promotion, uh, what are more ideas like that out there to, to kind of help move the needle in an unconventional way? As you talk about some of those really fun, and I love that you said celebration of creative going on there at Cannes, it immediately made me think, how, you know, if, how do these ideas, you know, how are they birthed? How are they pitched? How are they sold through? That kind of, that kind of thing. Because there's always a story behind how those things come about and how somebody gets on board and then they actually, you know, come to life. So, I mean, as you look at your role and what you're trying to accomplish, you know, with your channels and brands, um, what does it look like? I mean, how, how can either your team or, or outside uh, production companies and motion design studios, how can they sort of come alongside and help you figure those challenges out and come up with those, you know, amazing creative ideas that celebrate creative? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think clearly one way is sort of letting your team your, my internal team know, like, this is where it's headed and this is where I want to be a part of and, and sort of challenging them to ask themselves, why not? You know, like, why, why can't we try this? And I think in a lot of cases, you know, those ideas for every one of those crazy cool ideas, there's probably a hundred that either didn't get executed or maybe they did and it didn't work out as cool as, as you thought it was going to be. And I think it's having, it's for my job, it's to free up and give people the liberty to try those things and to suggest those ideas. And the same is true for agencies. I mean, I think that was one of the great things about can too, is just like meeting with some of these creative folks that are, that are coming up with these crazy ideas and partnering with them and getting their creative brains on this too. So you need more and more creative brains on a project and making sure you're briefing them about what the challenges are, what, problem you want to solve and then then kind of freeing up the process to to let people know like it's okay to try to try these things and to kind of challenge yourself and and you're going to fail sometimes and you're going to win and everyone always talks about like the fear of failure and you've got to kind of get past that and i think you know i saw another um interesting session uh at at Cannes. it was hosted by the the guys from 72 and sunny which is an advertising agency based out out of la and you know they talked a lot about the idea of optimism and and that everyone sort of taken a more optimistic approach to how they how they begin their creative process, how they execute their creative process and deliver and finish it. And everything um, about optimism is sort of like believing like, hey, why not? Let's try it. You know, like let's just take a leap because if you stay in that position of I don't know, we can't because of this, that, and the other, or it's not, it's never going to be as good as we think. Like, yeah, that might totally be true in a very pragmatic situation, but um, you have to be optimistic that maybe it won't be, maybe it'll be something different. And optimism can lead to action um, is sort of how they phrase it. And I thought that was a really cool way of thinking about it, of just of like really believing like, you know what, let's, let's just believe that this can work. And, you know, not every single idea is going to, but if you sort of approach it with that positive mindset, I think that's, that's a great start. And so to kind of circle back to your question, 
you know, we like to work with, with agencies that really sort of have that optimistic um, sensibility that really come into a project with the with the best intentions and believing that like we're going to partner up with them well and we're going to we're going to make something cool together and and I think this is a new world of coming up with these and I know it's sort of vague sounding but like what are those big ideas beyond the conventional the conventional pieces we've all been making before and is there something different is there a, a way to get this show promoted or get this you know get the brand out there in a different way and i think getting getting those brands and the, the agencies that work with us to sort of um, believe it as much as we believe it i think is uh is key that's so cool i mean i, I just hearing you describe that optimistic sensibility it is i mean it's really you know to me inspiring and when i think of the work that comes out of 72 and sunny. I mean, they've obviously been doing really first class, you know, amazing work for a long, long time. So, you know, they're, they're basically putting their money where their mouth is, but I think too, maybe something else to your point, you mentioned that your creative team turning them loose to come up with all sorts of ideas and sort of seeing what sticks and where the possibilities are. And I wonder if part of what I heard in there is just the, the letting your, you know, positivity unleash a lot of ideas and a lot of directions and a lot of different approaches. Because um, I think one thing I discovered when I was, you know, producing creative and promos and that sort of stuff was the earlier I was able to have a conversation with someone like yourself earlier in the process when the brief was, you know, just being, the ink was just drying on the brief or what have you, is being able to come back with, hey, here's 30 or 40 or 50 you know, ideas that are just all over the place. And these are sort of in this kind of vein and these are kind of in this sort of vein as opposed to, which I think a lot of, you know, maybe the traditional pitch process, if you will, has jaded um, a lot of creatives that we think, okay, I'm going to have a conversation with this client and I'm going to show them two or three big ideas and just hope that one of these, I'm going to knock it out of the park and I'm in this vacuum until the decision is made and so I think there's maybe something to be said for the, the the idea process being a lot bigger and a lot more collaborative. And then, like you said, positive. Yeah. And don't be scared. You know, don't be don't be scared to try something different. And and also to the other end, too, like don't assume if the client shoots it down that the client's wrong. Right. Or that the that like, oh, there we go again. You know, I think it's really hard. It's a lot easier for me to say this being in the position I'm in it, but it's really hard to get down when, if you're on the agency side and you're constantly being told no, or you're constantly being, you know, you have to pitch and you don't win, you know, you win 10% of your pitches or whatever. So I totally understand how that could be deflating, but um, you've got to kind of continue pushing and trying. And what I'm a big believer in is, um, and what often sells me on ideas is passion. It's a real passion for that idea because when I can feel that and I can understand, and I can see, or, you know, just get that visceral, tangible feeling that like this person came with this idea and they believe in it so strongly. And, you know, I'm not totally sure, but boy, they sure do seem sure. And there must be something here more than just, um, just something beyond the ordinary. And again, you know, putting all caveats on it, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a great idea just because you're passionate about it, but it can help move the process along quicker or better for you. Because if you really believe it and I can feel that and see the passion for it, 
then even if I don't think the exact idea you pitched is the perfect one, it can inspire other ideas. And then for, for you to be passionate about an idea and then be collaborative about sort of yes, anding the idea and, you know, saying yes. And let's, what if we were to add this or what if we were to tweak this and make it that? And sometimes great things can come from that. So as you're in that pitch creative process, believe in your idea really strongly, but also believe that it's still possible. It could get even better. Well, I'm sitting here kind of reminding myself of a lot of the work that's come out of uh, National Geographic channels, you know, over the past few years that, you know, I think really back up what you're saying, because I think, you know, if I go back 10 years and think of the work, you know, obviously the channels have improved, the content has improved, but I think the stuff that you've sort of been at the helm and, and overseen and been responsible for really sort of pays that off because I just to give our listeners some examples when I think of the killing Kennedy campaign the wicked tuna uh, stuff the brain games type you know those all those campaigns there's a lot of amazing work being done there and I think it speaks to you you know not only your team and your abilities but obviously the agencies that you're working with giving them you know what they need to produce um, their best work because I think it's some of the you know some of the best promotions work out there well, thanks. I really appreciate that. And I think there's it's a multiple layer process, right? It's so starting from the agency side, you know, we it's something that's really important to me that I hold as a like a fundamental principle, and that is to, you know, to, we want to be the best client they have. That is truly a goal of mine is to be the best client. I can be, and that can be responsive and my answering emails and giving clear feedback and all the obvious things, but it's also being great partners and trusting them when I need to, when I feel that passion. And then what that does beyond the fact that that's how you should behave anyway, it's like to be good partners and collaborative um, and to you know be a good person when you're working and understand that the agencies, they're there because they want to make great creative, but also they need to pay the bills and et cetera. But I believe that that also just makes better work and it makes them want to um, work even harder when they're working with you. And a lot of our creative agencies we work with, we're very loyal and come back to them um, be, and they continue to deliver better and better stuff each time. And I think that all that sort of that all builds on itself. And then sort of moving through the chain, it also, it's not just me, of course, there's a huge internal team of really talented people that, that work um, with me and for me or whatever that are helping, they, they believe in that same philosophy and it sort of catches on top of itself. And then even above us, you know, the, the work that you cited, Brain Games, Wicked Tuna, Killing Kennedy, you know, all that work came as a result of management above me, our CMO, our CEO, sort of unleashing and saying like, look, like we need to, let's make the work even better. Let's get a little bit more attention. Let's make it more premium, higher quality. And, and sort of like, so in a lot of ways, they sort of unleash the hounds too. So it really trickles all the way from the top of saying like, push it, let's go farther. We want to raise the bar. Once you tell it to a creative team, they're going to be off and running and then how they execute that back down to the agency. So it really is sort of a back and forth all the way from whoever is shooting that footage to all the way who's ever approving at the very high level, it all takes that that collaboration together and the belief and and the same common goal. So, thank you for saying all that. But it's definitely the work of of a lot of different small little events, conversations, goals, and vision, etc. Well, it's impressive to me because I do know that, especially at larger larger organizations, to have the kind of culture that enables that type of work to be done. Um, it's just a, you know, it's rare, right? And when you talk about 
we want to be a great client. Like, like that's one of our stated goals. I can tell you, like, sort of in my mind, I'm picturing up the listeners that you know out there that run a studio of their own, and they're thinking, "Oh my God, I I got to work with these guys because that's such a a great goal." I think for you to have, but but maybe to keep your phone from ringing off the hook, um, maybe maybe a more interesting question to ask about you know, people that respect and admire and say, well, I want to work with people like that. Now that you're processing the can and maybe where the future is headed and how the 30 second spot is still here, but now we're expanding into all these other platforms and so forth. Um, what are some more, maybe where the rubber hits the road? If an agency out there is thinking, yeah, I am working diligently on solving some of those problems. Where would you, what directions might you point them in? And, you know, at what point are they a potential good fit to, talk to somebody at Nat Geo about solving that those problems on your side? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. And and sort of right now, we're reviewing a lot of agencies. Um, you know, we have plenty of agencies that do great promo design work and pr- plenty of agencies that, that shoot, you know, beautiful visuals and, and images. And I think what we're in the process of looking for is like great agencies to partner with that do all the things I was talking about that are, that are coming up with these different unconventional, unusual activations that could be related to social media, or maybe it's just a digital, or maybe it's Netflix socks. Now, granted, like we don't have uh, the budget necessarily of like Lockheed Martin or whatever to make these, uh, you know, crazy virtual reality experiments and every single thing. But, but we want to talk to to those to those teams that are that are making you know stuff that's really standing out and, and different, unique, and and you know of course we're always looking for great design agencies, but there's so many of them, and I think what everyone should ask themselves is like, what do you bring to the table that's different? And uh, I recently just posted um, uh, a blog post all about sort of what about branding, and it's it's directed towards whether it's agency owners or filmmakers, like every person or every company should be thinking about what their brand is and what their brand stands for. So then they can clearly articulate it to a potential client. And if your brand stands for, we make awesome motion graphics, that's fantastic. There's a lot of them out there. And so you have to think, okay, what is it about your brand that that goes a little bit farther? That is a reason for someone like me who already has 20 companies that we work with on motion graphics like what's going to make it different? What do you bring to the table that's that's unique? So, on the rubber meets the road thing, it's like it starts with with your own your own wheels and your tire. If we're going to continue this metaphor, that like you know, like what is it's different about about how you approach projects, or what's different about what your projects are, who you're already working with? Um, assuming all the work is great, it's like what is it about your brand that that is going to stand out or be different? And for us right now, the brands that we're looking at are companies that that come up with those different unconventional tactics. We also look at agencies that can provide sort of 360, you know, thoughts about campaigns. So taking campaigns saying, here's a great social idea. They can do like little jack of all trades. Those are a little harder to find, usually much larger. Um, but we are talking to, to smaller agencies that do the innovative and the quirky and the, the unusual buzz buzz gathering type of uh, type of work as well. Yeah, maybe you're sensing my smile uh, coming several thousand miles away across Colorado because what you're saying about the way agencies, you know, brand and position themselves is absolutely adding fuel to my fire because I just keep beating my drum with the different agencies that I consult about how important that is. Yeah. Um, and I love that statement you put on the, your blog about, hey, branding, mission critical or marketing, blah, blah. And, you know, it's it's probably somewhere in between, but I can only imagine, you know, in your 
in your role how challenging it is that you you do have the best of intentions to talk to everybody, meet everybody, work with everybody, um, but it is a noisy, busy world. So the people that can cut th- cut through and help you really understand what they bring different to the table is so is so key. And when I hear you say things like, you know, can you get you know earned versus paid media? Uh, do you have that in your wheelhouse? What about data? You know, what about being able to come to you guys with ideas that are actually backed up by, hey, we know these these things get these kinds of results, and we would love to put that to work for your brand. I'm thinking those are just a few examples, maybe, of some of the things that you know you're looking for. Exactly, and like even another area is like short form content. Um, so past the 30 second, but doing like three minute content that can go online, or um, you know, if your agency has great contact and unique. Uh, access to, you know, YouTube influencers or whatever, like those sorts of things. I mean, that's becoming so much more the, the currency of today is like, is finding ways to, to, to express your brand in different ways. And for you to understand that about your own brand so that you can then kind of go and talk to clients. Cause no client, I, every client likes to hear it when you can talk really in a focused and strategic manner about what you do, you know, it's not just about them. Like, so, because if they believe that that you know how to express yourself and how to talk about your own company's brand, then you'll probably be able to do a pretty good job for theirs as well. So, um, and again, I'm not necessarily speaking for every client in the world. That's one thing I always joke about with the client blog. It's not like I'm the representative elected by every client to, to tell you exactly what to do to get hired, but speaking for ourselves, like when we know meet agencies and they know what they do really well, and they also say what they don't do well, that's like one of my favorite conversations because there's nothing I like to hear more than the agency saying, Hey, if you're looking for, for this, we don't, that's not what we do. That, we're not, that's not what we specialize in. We're not good at that. But if you're looking for someone who can do this, like that's, that's really our wheelhouse. That is music to my ears. And I think too often agencies want to get in the door so badly, they'll say they can do anything and then they sort of deliver something that's okay. And I might not try them again. Um, whereas if I knew what they didn't do well, but I knew what they really did well on and they were really passionate about, I would try to hire them for that thing that I know they do really well to put them in a better position to succeed as well. So that's really like you understanding your brand and not being afraid of what your brand is, you know, for fear of missing out on work. I guess that's the FOMAL, <laughs> you know, fear of missing out on work. You know, you put, uh, yeah, you put that so eloquently. And I think what I can maybe say too is that that just maybe requires a bit of patience. Right. Yeah. Because I know there are people out there that are like, oh, but I want my shot working at, you know, working for a big brand like that or on a big show launch. And, you know, that you can really hurt yourself in the short term by promising something that you're not great at. It's not your genius. And if you're just patient and wait for the right opportunity and you can honestly say to someone, look, we are not the best at A, B and C. But if you need D, E or F, man, we you know, we crush that. I think that is really helpful. And if you're patient, those opportunities will come. Yeah. And I think, and I'll even build on that and say that it's patience, but what I would encourage too is, is, uh, active patience. So if you're really passionate about something and you know, you're really good at something, but you just haven't had the client step up to the plate and hire you to do that, then you should make it a priority to do it anyway for yourself. And I'm a big believer in personal work um, for agencies because it's it's it, you know if you can afford it and find a way to make it happen, 
then your personal work speaks so much about your brand. You know, maybe it's a story or there's like a kid in your town that has an incredible story to tell and you want to film it and tell that story, like, and you're going to do it on your own dime. But what it allows you to do and what it shows your client is what you're good at, but also the kinds of stories you're passionate about. And it and allows you to show it in a filter that is completely you. Like there's no client that's telling you, you can, I got, let's cut that shot out. Can we change the music? And let's, you know, remove 30 seconds of content. So like you can do whatever you want. And, and I love looking at personal work of agencies uh, and creative teams because I get a sense of what their sensibility is and allows me to, to kind of instantly know like, okay, they 100% did this and the work is awesome, or maybe it's not so good, but whatever it is, it's a hundred percent theirs. And I sort of know what I'm getting into. Sometimes when you see work from other clients, like you're not sure, like, was that their idea? That was that their, you know, should they have really cut that much time out of it? Whatever it might be. But personal work, I think is a great way to be actively patient, which is you're not beating down the door of every client, but you're saying, okay, I believe in myself and what I'm good at is in this area. And so I'm going to prove it. And, uh, and I do believe passion projects can lead to professional work too. Actively patient. See, I'm jotting that down right now. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so freaking brilliant. Because I think too, right. What does, what else does personal work prove, right? When an agency or an individual just throws it down and figures it out. It, it proves that they're an incredible problem solver because, you know, you and I both know that no matter how big the budget is, and I'm, I can say this unequivocally without exception, every project doesn't have enough budget. When you see personal work, you know that person is resourceful. And when, when the going gets tough, that person knows how to get things done and still overcome, create something brilliant, and that's just a, that resourcefulness is such a valuable uh, talent and skill to have, uh, I would think, in what you look for, you know, in partners. Yeah, because you believe they're going to bring that to bear in your project. And I'd say, too, on top of resourcefulness is it really, it just showcases passion. You know, I've said that a couple times um, in terms of, you know, like how important that is. But if you're passionate enough to sort of put your own dime on the line or your own time on the line to tell this story, then, or, you know, or there's a certain type of story you like to tell and, and it showcases your passion, then I can feel that. That's real. And there's a lot of agencies that we work with and production companies we work with that we, the first time we saw them was through passion, you know, passion projects they had done or personal work that they had done, whether it's still photographers or, you know, video production companies, whomever. And you feel that passion and it just, it, it builds on itself and the work is so good too. So it's like, why wouldn't I hire this person? Like they've got a great passion. They've got a great talent. Let me just find a project that matches up with those two things. And uh, so between passion and resourcefulness, I mean, personal work is a, is a great way. And you know what, even if no one hires you as a result of your personal work, like it satisfies your own creative itch, you know, it gives you an opportunity to step away from the client work and do something that just, you know, just for creative, for creative sake. And I am a believer. Everyone always says never do creative for creative sake. Like I'm a believer in, in many situations that you should do creative for creative sake because it helps scratch that um, scratch that itch that you have creatively. Yeah, it's also a great way that uh, obviously none of us like to work uh, to do work for free, right? That should be paid. But this type of work is in a different category because it's really the kind of work that you would do even if you weren't paid for it because it's just what you're passionate about and you want to do it because you you know you yearn and long to create that kind of stuff. And when other people see that. They say, wow, that's the kind of person I want to work with. Because who doesn't want to work with incredibly motivated, inspiring, and positive people? You know, then we come back to that, that uh, optimistic sensibility that you talk about. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's true. It builds on itself, and it just gives a sense of like, wow, this person really, they love what they do. And, uh, you know, when we're hiring outside agencies, we don't do it all the time. I mean, we have a fair number that fair number of times that we do it, but we don't do it all the time. But when we do, we want to work with people that are, that are optimistic people, passionate people and collaborative. And I think passion, you know, personal projects often gets you, it gives you a chance to fully showcase that. Well, man, I think we could go on and on, but I'm not going to presume that uh, everyone listening is as actively patient, maybe, as, <laughs> as we're uh, espousing. Maybe that'll catch on. I guess you trademark that, I guess. Yeah, exactly. You might want to put a TM on that. But seriously, great conversation, Andy, and, and really appreciate you taking some time out of um, your crazy, busy schedule and giving us, um, you know, your perspective and what you do on the client blog is really, really great. So I invite people to go check that out and see what you're, what you're doing and the point of view that you bring to the industry. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. It's been an honor being on here. And I'll, you know, on the client blog, I just released kind of part one of this branding series talking about the importance of, of branding your company. And um, in part two, I'm going to talk more specifically on the rubber meets the road, I'm going to, I'm showcasing three agencies that we actively work with and to kind of, I really wanted to show how we select those agencies to work on projects based on their own brand. And so I think it's really interesting when you look at what they do and what their strengths are and what they like to focus on and see how a client actively pairs that up, the client being us in this case, of course, and like how we pair them up with certain projects based on what we know their brand stands for. So on that whole topic of, of knowing and understanding your own brand, I think it's uh, it could be interesting for people to read to see like, wow, okay, that they picked this agency for a specific reason because of what they stand for and the work they like to do and uh, and then think about how you can sort of apply that to your own company and uh, the kind of clients that you uh, try to attract. Yeah, that is like massively helpful and I can, I'll, I'll be sure to post a link to it on uh, on the RevThink website in addition to, uh, of course, people can go to theclientblog.com and find it themselves. But that's awesome, man. I really appreciate you doing that. It's just certainly benefit to the whole industry and, you know, one of my missions and at RevThink is let's just make the industry stronger you know let's work together and make make it stronger so i'm glad you're playing playing a part in that absolutely happy to happy to do what i can thank you thanks for listening to rev thinking for more insights on running your creative studio or to ask us a question visit revthink.com we'd love to hear from you I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com slash community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.